Hello, people. We are back. It's the AOS Podcast. Uh, Ball, your boy Doc here. Dave will be jumping on here in a minute. Uh, we, we are excited about this episode, episode 11. We double digits now. Been doing our thing since June. But we have two amazing guests, uh, Dr. Diz and Dr. Fields from Black Male Educators in St. Louis. And we're going to get to them in a minute. But before we do that, we're going to do our quick check-in like we do. So, Ball, man, how's your week been going? What's up with you, man? Oh, it's going well, man. Uh, you know, taking it day by day. Uh, we are still remote fully and we are preparing to come back on uh, January 5th. But I tell you what, man, California, it is uh, it is hot. Our numbers have gone up as far as COVID goes. Uh, we went into purple before the Thanksgiving break and the governor made up a new category of deep purple. And so we anticipate something happening uh, by the end of this week, some kind of announcement uh, about the state of California and several counties uh, like mine. So, you know, just kind of uh, anticipating what that can look like and still moving forward with our plans to open up in hybrid uh, the first of the year. All right, man. Well, I hope you say stay. So you said y'all are uh, remote. Are you still working from the building, though? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, admins uh, in the building. We do have some small groups. We've got our uh, intensive and uh, mild SDC classes on campus. So we have a few kids on campus and uh, everything's been going well with them. Uh, you know, we, we've been blessed so far. Okay. And then we got our uh, our other member on the, on the, on the mic now, Mr. Uh, Catch My Tweet. How you doing, bro? <laughs> What's up, man? I'm good, man. I'm back in the pantry. I don't know if folks remember from a few episodes ago, but I'm back here at the pantry. Uh, man, I'm doing good, man. You know, uh, living. Uh, you know, what I can say, man, listen, society, man, has become fake to the truth. So I think the truth bothers people sometimes. So, but other than that, man, things are good, man. I can't complain. We are, uh, we just switched to remote on Monday, uh, back after spending 13 weeks in the building. So fortunate and blessed for that. Uh, but the kids been rocking it, man. Kids been kids been doing well, man. Kids, teachers, and the parents and stuff. So it's a it's a good adjustment, man. We're just gonna grind through it. Hopefully, after Martin Luther King Day, we'd be back in the building. But I'm glad to be on having this conversation. Uh, and I'm gonna be I'm gonna be chill tonight. It's gonna be a good night. All right. So, like you said, the conversation we having tonight is the state of black educators, and uh, we have two amazing guests, Dr. Diggs and Dr. Phil. Um, Two brothers that I met, actually met Dr. Fields a little over a year ago at the Outdoor Learning Experience with Missouri Leadership Academy. He was the facilitator for the group that I was in. Shout out to the Rabbits. Um, and just an amazing experience for leaders. Um, and I'm just kind of connected and kind of kept in touch. And he talked a little bit about some of the things they were doing with Black Male Educators in St. Louis, um, which helped us launch the Black Male Educators of Greater Kansas City uh, Alliance as well with them. And then they had an amazing um, symposium that we're going to get into as well, but I want to give them both a chance to kind of just talk a little bit about them, their background, and then kind of you know what it is that they're doing currently. So, uh, Dr. Smith, oh, you first. We, we hear from you yet? You didn't check in. You, you gonna hear from me at the end? Just wait. Dr. Okay. Fields, it's on you. <laughs> hey, how's it going? Uh, first and foremost, I appreciate you brothers allowing me to be in the space again. Uh, Dr. Howard Fields, I'm currently assistant superintendent in a school district here in St. Louis, Missouri. Again, it's a pleasure being here with you. Um, I'm having fun, you know, co-founder of BMESTL, which is Black Males in Education St. Louis, with my brother who's on the line, Dr. Daryl Diggs, Affinity Group for Black Men. But we also have events that are not just restricted to um, Black men. And so our mission is to recruit, develop, support, and mentor Black educators 
our events are an extension of that and all of the work that we are involved in. Some things are out there in social media, some things are behind the scenes. And we're just really engaged in a lot of different work to both take care of ourselves uh, for that self-care piece, but also we believe in your success is our success. Black men are amazing, black educators are amazing, and the State of Black Educators Symposium, which we'll be talking about momentarily, um, is a representation of that and something that we manifested. So again, I appreciate it. Um, it's not every day you get a chance to be part of the realist education movement, but I'm here today, so thank you. We appreciate you being with us, Dr. Diggs. Hey, you know, uh, you know, going behind, going behind that brother is always tough. So I'm gonna try to do my best. Um, Daryl Diggs, education right now. I am a, a middle school principal, first year. Uh, a year of all years to make this happen in that transition. You know, definitely doing during the pandemic and some uh, social unrest. But, you know, beyond that, um, I call Memphis, Tennessee home. Right now I'm in St. Louis. My family, you know, full of educators, you know, shout out to them. But uh, I got connected to, to Dr. Fields and then also uh, quite a few other, you know, good brothers outdoors in the woods, which is crazy. But, you know, even after that experience, you know, we, we find ourselves in positions where, you know, we need to reach out and look for each other. And unfortunately in education, we're just looking at ourselves because there's very few of us. And so um, I'm rolling with about 14 years in education, started out as a middle school science teacher, then went to be an AP at the high school. And now I'm a middle school principal. And um, what, what I value um, all day and every day is just the connection with people. And so being a part of the realist movement, chatting with you good brothers on this evening has, has been uh, an uplift to an incredibly weird day, you know, Quarantining kids is never fun, but you know what's the best thing uh, in this situation, you know. So again, brothers Vashon, thank you so much. We here. So yeah, so we here. So I, I want to kind of kick this off because as somebody just put in the comments as well, how do we get more black males into the field of education? And I believe that that is kind of how BME STO came about. So if y'all could just talk a little bit about the genesis of that, that way if we got people listening, if they wanted to kind of get something like that going in their own city. So if y'all can just talk about how that all came together. Absolutely. I'll take the front end of that question in terms of how do we get more black men in education? And then uh, I'm sure Dr. Deals will talk more about how we met. The first piece I think is to address a lot of the inequities and the disparities in terms of the um, experience that young black students are having in our educational systems. I like to say education is the only field where you have an apprenticeship of future educators, quite frankly, that you can shape and mold their desire to be in there. And so the experience, unfortunately, for a number of black males, um, the success isn't is 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 put in a situation where your your skill set is something that we can fine tune and say, hey, such and such, you know, you do well with problem solving or hey, you you're a leader or hey, you can do some things that I see you being an educator. Um, I'm interested if anyone had a dissertation to see how many uh, young black males were encouraged to go into the education field when they were students. I think those numbers would not be as high as we would wish. And so on the front end, I think that's the first thing that we can do is to enhance those experiences um, for our black males um, who are in education right now and not just seeing them as athletes or different individuals we can see them as leaders of our future um, students and leaders of future educational movements so that would be the front end response um, dr diggs what are your thoughts on um, the second portion of that so the second portion i think is important for us to kind of like just lay the groundwork for 
sometimes how we meet one another or how we're connected through different spaces. Because for me, um, it took me a while before I got my first black teacher, my first black uh, male teacher. And then also as I went through the ranks, graduated, went to college, like we're very few and far between. And, and now that, you know, I'm in this space, there's still very few individuals that look like me, you know, in leadership and also in the classroom. Um, but to go back to the front end, the way that Dr. Howard Fields and I met, there's this structure within Missouri called the Missouri Leadership Development System. And within that system, they have this experience called Leadership Academy. And one of their tried and true tactics to develop and teach leadership skills um, is to go through orienteering outside in the woods, right? And so Dr. Fields, you know, he led our group, you know, he happened to be there. And, and what I find to be interesting is that you won't see many of us in classrooms, but then again, there's multiple of us in the woods, right? And so we connected, you know, exchanged information. And then a couple of weeks later, we didn't reconnect until I myself went through a situation where um, I was faced with the realization that I'm alone on an island. Let me describe that to you. I'm sitting at uh, during lunch supervision, watching the kids eat lunch, making sure nothing goes wild and crazy. One of my students comes up to me and she's like, hey, Dr. Diggs, take a look at this. Uh, you're on the gram. And I'm like, OK, let me see. And so as she shows me her phone, what I am immediately presented with are several images of myself with the N word all over my likeness. Right now, there's the imagery but also there's the comments, the likes and the hearts, right? In addition to the shares. And so what I was experiencing at that moment was again, isolation, I'm in a silo, plus who is going to be able to understand what I'm going through at this moment? And so like most things, you know, I, I have conversations with my parents, you know, those that have experienced hardships, experienced overt racism, and then also uncomfortable uh, moments. And so my mom said, very uh, clearly, if this were to happen to your sons, what would you want them to do? And through divine intervention in God's hands, that's how Dr. Fields and I connected again outside of the woods. And so uh, he hit me up. We started talking. He's like, hey, man, your pain is very much like the pain of many brothers in isolation and education because we are, we, we are all we have. Right. And uh, we started with a few social groups and it just took off from there. So that was kind of the genesis of the group, which then kind of morphed into the symposium. And that's kind of what I want to get to and talk about before we kind of turn this into, a, a, you know, just a discussion um, a little bit about the symposium, the purpose behind the symposium, um, what y'all got planned this year. And then kind of what is the long range plan for the state of black educator symposium? Gotcha. So the, the, the genesis of the symposium was, was for us to be able to just um, bring a, a bigger focus and shed a, a brighter light on black educators just across the board. You know, if you are in, in if you're in a position to influence, uh, mentor, advocate, promote, support black educators, black male educators, educators um, of color, then this is for you. And so we thought originally, hey, let's get together about 300 of our closest friends and and uh, and have a few speakers. Well, from that conversation, it grew to over 1,400 people grabbing tickets from 12 states, two countries. And so with that power from the first one and also bringing in individuals to have on the shot, on the uh, spot um, uh, interviews, also the exchange of business information, 
um, and also young people coming in to be influenced by other educators. We want to keep that going. And so from there, now that COVID has hit, we're on the national stage where we have over 19 countries, no, I'm sorry, over 19 states, individuals, and also um, three countries at this time represented. And so the, the goal now, man, is just to spread the awareness, um, dive deeper into the importance, and also uplift and advocate for, uh, for Black educators in this space. Dr. Fields, you want to add on to that at all? No, you asked what's next. Um, I mean, it, it's it's about to go down. You brothers will be able to say, oh, we saw them before they blew up with such and such. I think we always got to uh, strategize it and everything that we're doing. And so the symposium is great, right? But if the symposium only results in some of the numbers that Daryl was talking about and no change in policy and no change in additional platforms, brothers like yourselves, um, some amazing sisters that we have doing the work that they're doing, then it might have all been for not or at least a squandered opportunity. And so um, SBE 20 um, was nice. SBE 21 is going to be amazing, even though it's virtual. But the the um, aftermath of all of that is something that we're very excited about. So you have to continue to tune in. And yeah. with that being the case, Dr. Diggs, you didn't even say who is one of our premier speakers for SBE 21, man. You gotta, you gotta give him his, his respect. <laughs> gotcha. So the, the one and only, the, uh, the majestic principal Kathele is going to uh, grace us with his presence, you know, drop some knowledge. And, and what's great about this brother is that, you know, he gives you real impactful and straight to the point detailed information on how to improve your practice how to dive deeper into your craft. And then also he takes the importance of black educators, black males in their space of leadership to the next level. And so um, definitely humbled and, and graceful for his presence to uh, to be with us on SBE 21. But something that feels also missed is that this movement also culminates with books that we were able to, to put together. Also, uh, Dr. Smith, you wanna talk a little bit about your, your piece in that? Well, I mean, if you, if you are listening to the show, you know, we done pushed the Voices Volume 1 book several times. The You know, the uh, fellas on AOS, I think we gave out over like, what, 50 copies of the book uh, to people that just kind of wanted to be a part of it. So uh, our listeners um, basically got a chance to be, you know, know about it. Basically, the, the book is uh, a collection of 13 black, edu black male educators who basically just telling their story in education and really trying to encourage young black men to go into education and kind of push that that narrative forward, like Dr. Fields talked about earlier, trying to get more young minds in the earlier stages, middle school, high school, before they even get into the college and know that education is a way to go. Uh, one of the one things I hope, and I hope I'm not blowing the, the lid off with this here, I want to talk about, and I want to kind of get Ball and David on this conversation too, as y'all talk about and kind of talk about what their schools are doing, is the work y'all been doing in the state of Missouri with your MOU. Um, if you want to kind of go into that, and then like I said, I want Ball and David to jump in and say, how, how is their school, their state kind of addressing some of those same things that you guys are addressing with the MOU with the state of Missouri? Absolutely. Um, before we go into that, Principal Kefele is, is amazing. But what Daryl didn't say is Principal Kefele is is actually opening up for Vishon Smith. I mean, we're very excited to hear about Vishon <laughs> Smith who's speaking at Let's the symposium. Go. You know what I mean? You know you big when Kefele opening it up for you. So uh, yeah. really appreciate Vishon being there. But uh, but no, uh, with, the, <laughs> with the MOU, uh, myself and Daryl, we had an amazing opportunity to uh, present for the Missouri uh, Board of Education. 
here for the Department of Elementary and Secondary Education. And so um, shout out to Desi for allowing us that platform. We're excited about the work that we're engaged in. Um, the Missouri School Improvement Plan is currently in its fifth cycle, also known as MSIP 5. And so for MSIP 6, equity and access will be embedded. And myself and Daryl spoke on behalf of a number of educators, not just black men, but specifically BMESTL and a number of other individuals that we spoke with in terms of how can we take that that next leap in the right direction. We we often talk about equity and so, um, you know, baby steps and all of that, but a lot of the, the schools, the communities, the students that we represent, to be frank, a step in the right direction is not what we need. We need some Usain Bolt type of leaps towards equity and, a, and equitable access for our kids. And so from that, one of the things we talked about was the uh, MOU. And if you're on social media, if you were to look at the hashtag IDEAMOU, again, IDEAMOU, you will see some of the work that we've been involved in. And so this work, I want to say, generated um, back in June or no, back in um, February, right after the symposium. And so in June or July, we rolled out some of the initial pieces. And essentially what it is, is a memorandum of understanding for schools, for districts, for organizations to look at their practices within the context of inclusion, diversity, equity, any bias and any racism work. Um, Daryl, do you want to talk a little bit about the pillars and some of the other um, specific indicators we have? Gotcha. So there's there's four pillars. You know, one of those is curriculum and instruction, governance. Also, what does IDEA look like when it comes to a community parent and student, you know, involvement piece? And with these pillars, we need to be able to understand, like, listen, this is what inclusion looks like and how we can measure it. This is what diversity and equity and ABAR looks like and how we can measure it. What we all know in the space of education is whatever you pay attention to, give energy to and resources to, that's when you know it'll get met or paid attention to. So um, what's important about the IDEA MOU is that we have a school district that has jumped on to further that conversation and adopt it as part of their school improvement plan or district improvement plans, which means that not only is this a topic that's necessary and important right now, but it's also something that this district believes that all of their students and community members should be influenced by when it comes to, again, these pillars of um, inclusion, diversity, equity, and, and anti-bias, anti-racism work. So I'm gonna give, give some space for my two co-hosts to jump in. Yeah, I mean, I, I appreciate that. that. That is really important for, you know, all of our students, all of our communities to understand that, um, you know, anti-racism isn't just, you know, a, a movement for right now. Like, this is something that should be built into our curriculums, um, you know, because marginalized groups, oppressed uh, groups, you know, we're, we're like the side, we're the in addition to uh, the curriculum. And so we we definitely have to be moving in that direction. I think there's a, there's a big push here in the state of California to have uh, ethnic studies be a part of our A through G requirements. And I know that if you listen to Eight Black Hands, you hear Dr. Cole talking about A through G uh, all the time. And he's he's got a, a really good series uh, where he gives uh, his, his thoughts on, on what needs to be done out here in California when it comes to the A through G requirements. But um, ethnic studies is something that we need. Um, I'm in a, a pretty um, well-to-do 
uh, district here in California and in, in the East Bay. And uh, when it comes to uh, students of color, black in particular, um, we, we have a very small population. Uh, I, I say on the podcast every, every week just about, um, you know, I'm the only uh, black male principal uh, in the district. Um, two black male administrators uh, of 33 uh, comprehensive schools. And so, uh, you know, talk about that whole isolation piece is very interesting. Um, Right now there's a push uh, to uh, adopt an ethnic studies course in in our district and, you know, to highlight um, all different diverse groups um, to get away from the Eurocentric curriculum. And it's just one class. And and, and it's interesting that the challenge that we're facing uh, to get this approved by our school board and to get the support uh, behind it. Um, you know, we've got um, representatives basically from, from each of our, our schools, which are our high schools and, and feeder patterns in order to get um, you know, to get the, the board to understand that this is necessary. Uh, our, 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 our board isn't very diverse. Um, and, and so, um, you know, it's, it's unfortunate that we have to push so hard uh, to, to tell the stories of all the people in our community. And, and, and you think about it, when you've got a, a predominantly white school district, those are the students that mostly need, obviously all of our students need to be celebrated, but they're the ones that need to know about, you know, what Black history is, what, you know, Latino history and so forth. Um, we've got to be celebrating the diversity of uh, of our country and of our people. Mm-hmm. And just to piggyback on that, um, when it comes, when it goes into just looking at, hey, how are we influencing the landscape of education, you know, with, with the MOU that we're proposing, and then also, you know, with your work, you know, on the uh, West Coast, is how are we impacting the knowledge and also the process for like hiring, retention and recruitment? Um, and so w- with our organization, BMESTL, like that's a, a piece that that we find to be uh, deeply impactful to, 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 again, move the ball just one more yard line forward as we're trying to score a few touchdowns. So, for example, like are there intentional questions or a deeper dive into understanding the candidates that we're looking for for our various positions? Do they have a lens for equity? Do they have an understanding for bias? And then also, how do they work through those tenants? But I do believe it it, it requires an intentional and deeper level of conversation to enact some type of change. We talk a lot about we talk a lot about access, and and oftentimes it's within a context of resources. But what about access with regards to opportunities for economic growth and development? Um, a lot of times we don't know how the inner workings of school districts work. And so when we think about something as simple as um, RFPs or requests for proposals, and we think about all of the various different things that school districts are associated with from um, construction, from, I mean, business, you name it. Uh, what are some opportunities for those same RFPs to be sent out to uh, minoritized owned businesses or predominantly black businesses, um, stuff like that. Because again, we, I think we're on the right path as it relates to change in policy and looking at all of those things. But if you don't have a minority business enterprise and all of that, you're, you still may be looking at equity within a context of a deficit model. And that's not going to get us where we need to go. So we need everyone with a sphere of influence to continue to not just advocate, but to make sure you're enacting some type of change that can help this whole entire system um, be addressed to help our students and our communities who need it the most. Here's why I appreciate organizations and groups um, like you all, because 
I'm part of that same story of a, a black uh, male teacher term principal because, you know, I only had one black male teacher, my seventh grade social studies teacher. And then I never had a black male principal. Right. And, and I w- I've been wanting to be a teacher since I was 17. So I made the decision at 17 to get an education. So and, but at what point we got to, as you said, push it one yard further where we get enough black males in the profession that don't have that same story of, well, I got in because I didn't have enough. Right. Instead of saying, well, I got in it because every most of my teachers were black males. Right. That's that's where I want to get us to. And that's why I appreciate groups like you all and the work that you are doing, because that's that's what we need, because this same tired story of, you know, only having one black male teacher, when people put that up there, you know, name me how many black teachers you had, or, and especially black males, is one, two. At, at what point do we get to what we're saying? All mine were black, right? But but two, right? Instead of saying the only ones I had were black were the two. And so shout out to you brothers and doing the work, but th- I think that's, that's where I, I am. But I think in Indy, See, we don't have that, right? So we don't have any organizations that's that's unapologetic and, and authentically doing that work. Um, you have black male leaders, you know, like myself, that just trying to push the agenda forward, right? But we haven't come together collectively. And so, and I'm not saying I don't know, you know, if any of us have that that passion to do that work as though you are. And so if we're not, what we need to do is we need to get the organizations that push the money in education and saying what organizations around the country do we need to reach out to to help us build our programming, to help us build um, a platform where we can get black males into um, the processes um, and to get them into education. I see a couple couple of my indie folks, man, Marlon Llewellyn, who's uh, in my, my doctoral studies. I know as we're thinking about, well, what do we want to talk about in our research? I know that's the one that he want to talk about, like get all the black charter school principals the males and kind of do a research to hopefully try to get to the nuances of the, of the the background of why they got into this and maybe find some nuggets that we can hopefully pass on to the next generation so we can so we can build a bench because our bench is very thin here um and I, it's probably like that in a lot of places but particularly here in india we just got to build that bench so we have other black males that can step up when 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 our time is up right and i think one of the piece that i wanted to get to in the open i don't think we kind of got dug deep into it because like you said dave you wanted like how do we get an organization or somebody to come in and help us kind of get organized or kind of put money into it? So what I wanted Dr. Diz and Dr. Fields to get into is kind of the, the genesis because they didn't know about kind of like the grassroots effort that started this organization that has now taken off. Gotcha. You, you broke up just a little bit, but what I, what I, what I think you mentioned is, is this, um, we started with, wanting just to create like a social situation. And so we called it a uh, a happy hour up the street from my house, kind of in the middle of between where Dr. Phil's and I live. And so at that time, man, it was almost like 35, 40 people that just showed up for this happy hour. And then one of the OGs came by and said, listen, we tried to do something like this, had limited success, but like what you young brothers are doing. And, and like they, 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 he tipped his hat off, hat off to us. And that was the energy just to keep going with more social events, more opportunities for, to connect. And then we started inviting in more community members to share their story. And, and so again, all of this work is for not unless we're able to grow the opportunities within the classrooms for all of our young boys and girls to have a person of color. And at the very least, you know, at the most, a black male educator. You know, To your point, um, it took me a while before I got my first one. 
And then as I'm a principal in this school, I might be the only one they view in this space until they graduate. Right. Um, and so when we're talking about Genesis, like we are the Genesis, like it's this conversation right here, us coming together, us talking. Um, Brother McGuire, you mentioned about, you know, pulling our resources together, you know, pulling, you know, the, the dollar bills, you know, counting the coins. What I've learned by doing this work is that not all money is good money. And uh, and most often, more often than not, some of that money come with an agenda. And so um, what I encourage everybody to do is just to be careful who's riding your coattails or, or knocking at your door as you're doing this work. See, see, Daryl's starting to preach now. I wish I had one of them fans because I'm like, who preach, Pastor? Uh, what I will say on a serious note, Brother McGuire, I was going to tap you as well because you kept saying we, man. It's one thing that the pandemic, the silver lining of this is we have been able to connect with brothers all across the country that I don't know if it would have even been possible if we were not in the current state that we are in. And so I'm learning just some fascinating stories about all of the work that folks are doing. True story, um, at the symposium, part of my closing comments was a video and it was from um, the Philly 7th Ward. It was a brother speaking and he was in a, with a group of other brothers just talking about, you know, we gotta always leverage what we have. It's us, it's a, it's a unit. And so um, if it's a, a something that we're doing with St. Louis or whatever, we are inviting our brothers um, from Kansas City. We are inviting brothers from across the board because if you're doing some amazing work, um, I want to make sure um, I'm supporting that work, man. It's not, it's not about me. It's not about you. It's about us moving forward. And so um, it's been a tremendous amount of help. Dar like Daryl said, uh, we know our worth. We know our value. And it's all about being crystal clear on your mission. And if things don't align with your mission, I don't care how many dollar signs are behind you. We don't charge our members. We don't charge for any of the things that we're doing. Um, but God has taken care of everything, man. We haven't had to want for too many things. And even the next phase of BMESTL and some of the work that we're doing, God is opening up doors and we don't have to beg people for money. But more importantly, we're not begging people for our own liberation. Those days are over as far as I'm concerned. Mm -hmm. Say it. Say it. They didn't hear you in the back. Right. Because I think, man, too many times there's this crab in the barrel mentality where, no, I'm not going to connect with that group because we're doing the same thing. Well, their strength is numbers. So if you're doing it, I'm doing it. Let's figure out where our agendas align, which is to uplift the profession, to to add on to the bench, and let's let's connect. Like you said, let's make sure that you know if y'all got an event in St. Louis, that we invite people from Kansas City and Indianapolis and Chicago and Philly, and vice versa, that we create this network across the country. Because here's the thing: everybody else is doing it, right? Mm -hmm. all, all types of other organizations are doing it. So we need to do that same thing and get out of this mentality, man, that we all can't shine because we all can shine. Yeah. And, and, and I say I'm not in it for the shine, but if we were, let's all shine together because the light would be brighter. And let me so let me give you a, a true story about what you just said, because when we launched BMEGKC, we ran into that exact same thing. We was on a call with Dr. Fields and some other brothers um, regarding an organization here locally that had already been in place that had some big money backers. Uh, and they was basically talking about we were stepping on their toes. And I'm like, I'm not trying to come in and step on anybody's toes. This is enough for everybody to eat. You know what I'm saying? So basically, we it was through a conversation. And like I said, it, the, the initial conversation, there was some tension, but through some, you know, more conversation, just understanding the purpose. And like you said, Dave, like we all can shine and we can shine greater because it's strength in numbers and whatever like that. But we dealt with that exact same situation here locally when we launched, you know, BME GKC with another organization. And now we're doing work together. 
You know what I'm saying? Because he he had a network that I wasn't tapped into, and then I had a network he wasn't tapped into. So now you bring both of those networks together. Now we got even more power in the city. I'm gonna go ahead and give a prelude into the State of Black Educator Symposium, man. And, it, and it's a little bit, it goes deep for me. Many of us grew up playing hide and seek. And when we were playing hide and seek or whatever, when someone got close to you, what did you say? Move. You wanted them to move. Why? Because your chances of being exposed would, in our mind, they were enhanced if someone was close to us, right? And so um, we believe that we're better on our own. You know what I mean? That's what we believe. Um, that type of mentality has really penetrated us as professionals. Uh, we don't want to be too close to someone else. We don't want to mention we need some help. We don't want to be like, man, they might catch me. I need to talk. Um, again, that mindset is, is really damaging a lot of what we're trying to do, but it's also damaging a lot of us. So many people are leaving the field. As I stated before, regardless of where you are right now, you are probably aware of a district or organization who are putting it out there. We just hired X amount of people who are diverse. It could be Latinx, Black, Asian, you name it. But what they don't do then is to broadcast how many of those same populations are leaving because you're bringing those folks into a toxic environment. That can't that can't happen. And the only reason why we continue to allow it to happen is because we believe in that ill fitting narrative that we are stronger by ourselves. And that's simply not true. I mean, Brother Diggs, I'm stronger with him. You know what I mean? He make me make sure I'm on top of my game. I was like, hey, brother, you going to get a haircut? He said, no. Nah. So I was like, all right, I won't get a haircut. But if he was going to get a haircut and if he wasn't going to have a suit, a suit in the town, I was going to make sure I was going to make it happen. And so we have to have that outcast type of mentality, that big boy and Andre 3000. We want to sharpen each other's tools. And it's not it's not a competition. It's not anything like that. If you're winning, I'm cool with that. I just want to see my brothers and sisters win. That's what I get joy out of. And it also makes me continue to show up every single day for my students and staff and community. And the one thing that I love about the BME mentality and Dr. Fields talked about in the beginning, and it's the thing that drew me to him when we first met and start talking about this is the, the, the notion of your success is my success and my success is your success. You know, that's mm -hmm. something that just really that's that's I think is missing in our community, you know, big time. So basically the title of the show is uh, the state of black educators. So I'm gonna pose this to the entire, you know, everybody that's on on here right now is for you. What is the number one issue facing black educators today? Mm -hmm. And whoever wants to jump in with that, run with that. Go ahead. <laughs> well, you pose the question, Doc. I'm gonna make you go first. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so, so for for me, the number one thing facing black educators is professional development that is in tune with what they need. Because I feel like that my experience as a black man or as a black person in general and what I'm bringing to the classroom or to my leadership role is a lot different than my white counterpart. So basically, what is it that how do you give me PD that's going to strengthen my tools that I have? You know, the way that I connect with the community is going to be different than my counterpart. So don't be shy, Don't be a lot of times. I think we get looked down upon because of the way that we interact with our community, especially if we are leading a school that's predominantly predominantly of students of color. So I think having diversified professional development, um, either at the district level or even at the national level, that is in tune with what black people need as a teacher or um, as a leader. And I know, so I think that's one of the number one things is the PD is not 
where it needs to be because it's one size fits all, um, no matter if you black, white, brown, first year, second year. So how do we diversify our PD to allow black educators to get what they need to increase and grow in the profession? And then I think also a little bit is uh, is missing also is mentorship. So if I see a young brother that's trying to move into administration or become an instructional coach, like, what am I doing to kind of help put him in the right positions or be his sponsor, speak of him in those rooms that he can't get into? So mentorship and PD will be the top two things I think is missing for the black educator today. Gotcha. And, and I, I agree with two pieces. For me, I would say the um, self self suppression of your identity. Um, there's There's no reason that you cannot be yourself and still be um, exceptional, be exactly what students, communities in the building need. Um, never, never put yourself on the back burner for what you think other people's want out of you. So I would say that to be number one, you know, self-suppression. Don't put yourself down like you got this. We need you for it, for everything that you bring to the space, your culture, your identity, your ethnicity, your culture, like every piece of you needs to be in every situation. So, you know, there's enough suppression out there. Let's not do it to ourselves. Along that same line, I would say um, not knowing the worth of your voice, not having value of your voice, um, and believing that ill-fitting narratives will get you to where you are. The best job in the world or the best profession in the world is one where you're able to be yourself and grow. Um, one of the things that Brother Chris said, I met him at um, the Educational Equity um, Institute or whatever, and we were talking and he said, I have to learn to give my brothers and sisters the same grace that I've been conditioned to provide my oppressor. And what I mean by that is we all going to make mistakes. We're going to we're going to make mistakes. We have to grow in our various different roles. We understand that. But if you're not allowed to be yourself, you don't use your voice. You just submit to whatever is provided to you. Some of the best instructional minds I know are black males, but they are confined to a role that doesn't provide them with the opportunity to provide their voices with regards to educational uh, pedagogy, et cetera, et cetera. And so with that, we have to make sure we're utilizing our voices. We don't have to raise our voice. We don't have to you know, get ignorant or anything like that, but we have to make sure we understand that if you are there, you belong. And when you belong, you have an opportunity to speak for yourself. All of our different perspectives and experiences are rich. We're not a monolith and we understand that, but we have to make sure when we're there, we open up our, our mouths because if you're not at the table, you're on the menu. And if they don't create a table for you, then you have to create your own table. And that's what BMESTL and State of Black Educator Symposium has done. Y'all, y'all took my 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 top because because uh, you know voice is a huge thing. I think that we definitely get into a space where we feel isolated, and so I, I'll take take that on as my uh, biggest problem is isolation. Uh, it, as we've talked already, it is so easy to. Uh, get stuck. I mean, just in general, as an educator, it's easy to, to stay in isolation, to do your own thing. You've got your own classroom and whatnot, and, and you can make it happen the way that you want to. Um, but it, it's leadership, especially, it is so easy to be isolated. And we need to take advantages take advantage of groups like BME, STL, and, you know, the uh, the community that A Black Hands has created with, uh, you know, all the po- 
all the uh, offshoot podcasts. Like we have to get connected uh, in order to continue to grow and to continue to thrive. Um, you know, I, I think just listen to the A Black Hands podcast is, is, is PD and its development and, and takes me to places that I've never been. And, and I think that if we tap into all the resources uh, that, that are out there, that we're going to grow, we're going to get better. And, uh, you know, we're going to find different spaces where we can continue to uh, have our voice uh, heard and, um, and, and, you know, just get better. Mm-hmm. Man, for, for me, I, I think it, and oftentimes I get, I get in my own little space because I'm surrounded by people who's willing to put me on. Right. So like this, for instance, right. Uh, a Ray, a black male, put this on for us. Right. He gave us a platform to speak our truth. Uh, Chris, uh, who also part of A Black Hands, gave me a platform to do my writing. It was Sharif and his uh, Black Male Educators Conference was the first time I got to present um, in front of a large group, right? So sometimes I get caught up. It's like, well, you do have people, you know, th- that want to put each other on. But honestly, if you ask me, what is the, my number one issue is it's not enough of us willing to put somebody else on or giving somebody else room to shine. Because, again, going back to what I said, man, everybody wants to be in the spotlight. And maybe that's just the Indianapolis thing. But, like, we got to get out of this space where I can not I can definitely put you on. So if I see a space where I'm shining in, man, let me bring Doc on. Let me bring Ball with me so we can all shine together. Um, because, you know, heck, the white folks do it all the time, right? They look out for each other. They put each other in posts, right? And I'm not saying just give it to the black person. But if you know a quality black brother who – can do the role, man. Make that make that brother your AP. Give that give that brother an opportunity to help his career. And is is nothing against you, but I, I don't see enough of that. I don't see enough of that in my space. So I'm just classified in that. I don't see enough of that in my city. And that's what I want to do. And, and it starts with me. I, I'm gonna do a better job. That's one of my New Year's resolutions is to do a better job of making sure that I can put other black males in the space where they can shine. Because for me, somebody put me in this space for, so I can grow um, and, and work my way up the ladder. I got to make sure that I either ace in the elevator back down for somebody or I go down and, and get them up to the stairs with me. So I want to kind of push this because this was a topic that came up um, on a show. I think it was just yesterday with Unc and them. Um, it, it wasn't a topic, but it was like kind of a, just part of the conversation. And we have five black male administrators on this call. Uh, one of us who's actually an assistant superintendent doing things at the district level uh, is how do you navigate the, um, the white spaces that you have to work in within your position. And what I mean by that, when you have to give feedback, when you, sometimes we know um, our white counterparts use weaponize their tears, how do you navigate that? So if you were giving advice to somebody that's listening on, how do they get around that issue? Um, because that's one of the things that I think that is, is most difficult in that role as a black man is navigating those white spaces or give, just giving feedback simply to white teachers when they aren't doing things instructionally sound for kids. If you're not clear on who you are, your why, and what you're trying to do, you may not stand a chance in education and you may not certainly stand a chance in a predominantly white space. Um, What I need to say and what I need to convey is based off my personal mission and vision, which is aligned with hopefully the district or the organization's mission and vision. If you're going to change your comments or your remarks based off of what someone else is going to do, then that's certainly a growth opportunity. And I get it. My first year as an administrator, I had it, right? I'm about to put somebody on an improvement plan, et cetera, et cetera. Soon as they started crying, it was a wrap. I mean, that was a traumatic experience for me because I didn't want to fit the narrative of a, of a mad black male. And what happened? 
I did not do it. And this person continued to hurt kids. And so um, what I've learned from that particular instance was this. Um, I have a responsibility to represent who I am, the students, um, the community in which I serve. And if I can't stand up and show the courage necessary to change a system or to have some better outcomes for our kids, then that's shame on me. I sleep very good at night because I understand I'm being true to myself and true to what we need to do. It's not a it's not rocket science. All of us know what is needed in order for us to get what we need to get for our kids, how all of us get an opportunity to wake up and provide for our families until all of our students um, have that realization when they leave our system or our schools, the work is not done. And so the fact of the matter is this, we don't have enough courageous folks in the space as far as I'm concerned. We don't have enough folks that are willing to do what's necessary because they are in a position where they're comfortable. Um, Superintendent Mark Bedell out of Kansas City, he said one day, he said, we do everything we need to do to get a position. And once we feel like we've arrived, we stop doing the same thing that got us to that position. Well, that's shame on us. And so if I'm not doing what I need to do and the day I stop advocating for what's best for kids and all of that, that's the day I need to retire. Hey, Dr. Fields, a follow up question that do you think that is a fear of I'm, I got this role and I don't want to lose it? It's why they they don't push that. What do you think that is when you say they get in that role and they kind of just get get comfortable or, you know, the, 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 the tone of their the volume of their voice goes down a little more when it comes to advocating for what's best for, for, for particularly black children, right? What do you think that is? Is it a fear of losing what they just gained? I think it's a, I think it's a number of things, right? Um, I place my my faith in God and I'm going to be who I am. I'm going to learn. I'm not stubborn or anything like that. I'm going to learn and I'm going to continue to evolve. And so if I am um, in a position where there's a ventriloquist who wants to pull my strings and all of that, that's not a place for me. And so we have to understand that even when we get in our positions, I told someone um, they were talking about decorating their office and all that. I said, you better wait uh, first and see what's going on, what you're walking into. Because <laughs> the same time you're setting up your office, you may not be there that long. And so we have to understand that comes with the, with the territory. So that's the first part. The second part of that, which is a little bit more deeper, is that um, we have been conditioned to keep everybody else happy on the backs of our most marginalized students. That's just a fact. Like Amen. we have conversations. We don't want to make um, adults uncomfortable. I said it before, uh, people, adults are willing to do anything for kids except change, unfortunately. And if you can't be part of that change, then you're part of the problem, whether it's subtly or whether it's just in an overt manner. Mm -hmm. It's too many people making making profit off the backs of, backs of our kids, right? So oftentimes they don't even want to see them be successful because the success of black children, it, it cuts off from the funding. What's At least in our city, the easiest thing to get funding for, the easiest thing to get um, uh, get your business off the ground is you say you're going to improve black children. But see, they want to improve it only up to a point to me, right? Because if you get them over that finish line where they are self-sufficient, well, then nobody else going to fund you. I always felt like when when I'm doing this work, man, my 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 goal should be to work myself out of it because if I'm doing what I say I'm true to, which is giving black children um, opportunities to be successful, then if once they get there, then then there's no need for me to do that. Now the next thing should be how do we keep them successful, right? Not getting them to success, but keeping them successful. But right now it's too much money in the backs of our black children. So you're gonna do enough just to stay afloat, but you ain't really trying to get them over. Is what I've seen. 
Advocating for black and brown kids is a very profitable business, Mm -hmm. but doing the work that is aligned with your advocacy doesn't come with a lot of fanfare. And that's that's just based off the experiences that I've seen. Indeed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Dr. Diggs, you're a first year principal in the midst of COVID. So talk about how are you navigating, um, you know, those situations and circumstances when you see a teacher um, who isn't, you know, where they need to be. And they try to basically say you retaliating against them, whatever it may be or whatever kind of. So how do you, how are you handling that as a first year principal? What what I'm doing first and foremost is uh, th- this is a big question and, and, and I'm going to give a long answer. So for me to operate in this space, I need to uh, understand that I can't lose myself in the process of trying to support a community, build a school, support the teachers and the kids in the midst of a pandemic where the rules are being changed every day. I can't sacrifice losing myself and then also my my uh, my two kids and my family suffer. I'm not gonna let that happen. So first and foremost, what I needed to understand is that we're operating in two spaces, right? We're operating in other people's fear and also their perspective of what's going on. Right. Not everybody's going to have the same perspective of COVID, the mass social distancing and washing your hands. Some people think this thing is not real. And also there are individuals that are operating in fear that is causing them to make decisions that are at the detriment of doing the best thing for, for young people. Right. And so while I'm trying to navigate that space, dealing with these two monsters, I also have to be able to understand that, look, I need to be able to have self-care. Uh, so what I started um, off on the side is like a really short video series, um, just 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 letting out the things that were in my head and then also the writing that I've been doing on the side to kind of like help myself process. Now, to your question, what have I done with teachers is that I've had to understand what their fear is and then also what is their perspective of the situation for me to then thus help them understand that, listen, this is what the students need. This is why I know they need it, and I'm going to show you how to do it. Because once we get to that point, we shouldn't be fighting or butting heads, right? Because if we're in this profession for kids, which we all should be, but unfortunately, not all of us stay in it for that reason. And so what I've done is to be able to shift through all the weeds and understand fear and people's perspective of the situation. And once I get through that, I'm just going to let you know, we, we need to work through this. Otherwise, folks are getting hurt out here. I, I, that's, a, that's deep with the uh, the fear and perspective piece, you know, keeping that at the forefront of our minds when we're working with people um, as well. Uh, so I know we're going to get ready to kind of roll into final thoughts. But before we get to this, I want to do a couple of things that Big Brother Charles does with the eight black hands. First of all, all my people in the comments, we need y'all to go ahead and like, heart, Thumbs up, whatever you want to do. And make sure you share the show with comments. There's a lot of people out there that need to hear the context of what was going on in this show today. So please make sure you share it. Put a personal comment on why people need to listen, tag somebody, and do all those things like that. The other thing that I like that Dr. Cole has been doing with the Eight Black Hands, and I want to make sure that we give you brothers a chance to talk about is what can we do as the AOS podcast to partner with you to kind of push the work forward that you're trying to do? So I want to kind of leave y'all with that before we roll into final thoughts. So how can we partner with y'all? What is that we can do, you know, as three black males on this podcast and to kind of push our work forward? You know, I, I'll, I'll go first real quick. Um, this is what I think. I, I think right here, this is the model, right? 
we connected on some on a on an excursion totally unrelated to what we're doing right now. We remembered each other. We connected. We invited each other to each other's events, to each other's opportunities in our city and then also outside of our city. And then we continued that connection and conversation even after that to the point where even though we're not in the same space, we still have the same mindset and, and steam, right? And so very often we, uh, again, it's like crabs in a barrel. Like I'm just gonna pull you down so I can pull myself up. You know, I'm gonna get this bread and take from you, Rob Peter to pay Paul. Like in this moment right now with all of us on this line, connecting, talking, the history that we have between each other, this right now is the example that we need others to follow behind. Right. And and I just want to say again, you know, thank you for this opportunity, because we can't do it without all of us rallying behind each other. Right. Imagine this. On your hand, you have about five fingers. Right. That's all of us. But if we were able to go like this, we can be a force for something that is it hasn't been seen in a long time across our country. And so I, uh, I would like to impress upon others to do the same. Like this is the model right here. Brother Vashon got us on the line. We shot emails back and forth. Fields got on. And then, you know, Braille, McGuire, like, this is it. Like, I think this is the example and the model of what we need to do to make sure that we further the, 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 the movement. I think uh, one of the culminating pieces right now uh, would be the State of Black Educator uh, Symposium, SBE 21. We're excited that not only myself and Dr. Diggs, as well as Principal Kafele, Dr. Smith, um, we're, we're excited for them to be some of the speakers, but I'll go back to what uh, Brother McGuire said in terms of uplifting each other. We have a ton of speakers um, who are just fantastic. I mean, they, they are great in, in what they do. And so while there's a, a large St. Louis presence, it's a platform that we have created. Again, after the success of the State of Black Educators Symposium, we had some of the biggest names reaching out like, hey, you know, we want to come and do this and do that. Um, but we thought it was very important to capitalize on that momentum and make sure we're bringing folks with us. And so you're going to hear from folks, uh, Dr. Harris, Dr. Lee, I mean, Dr. Macklin, I mean, brothers and sisters across the board um, that are going to be there for the work that we're doing. And so um, if you're interested, visit SBE21.com. Again, SBE21.com. The event is in February, February the 4th and the 5th. Um, it's a bigger push for the Blackest Week ever. We have a ton of things that we're working on, but at the end of the day, your success is my success. It's free, and it's some content that I think all of us want to make sure we're hearing. And so regardless of where you are, because it is virtual this year, we're very excited about that. And some of the speakers that you're going to hear from will just certainly allow you to continue the work that you're doing, regardless of where you are or what you do. So if you have not registered for SBE 21, please go ahead and do that today. Like I said, the lineup is ridiculous that they got coming through. Um, you know, I, I'm just just want to be there, even though, you know, I am going to be one of the speakers. I'm just blessed to even have that opportunity. But make sure that you register for the conference. Um, get your tickets in now. It's going to be it's going to be a movement. Um, definitely going to be a movement that you want to be a part of. So uh, we're going to go ahead and roll into uh, final comments. Uh, so we're going to give Dr. Diggs and Dr. Fields. Um, the mic first to do their final comments. It's brace whatever you brothers want to say to the community, kind of to wrap things up. And then we're going to run down the list, you know, normal AOS list. So ball, I mean, sorry, McGuire ball. And then I'll 
go ahead and close it out. But it's the last time I'm gonna close out the show because I've been closing out the show the last few episodes. So, uh, <laughs> Dr. Fields, go ahead and throw us your final thoughts, sir. Uh, my, my final thought is for everybody that's on the call, especially those that are in education, some of you all had some spectacular days, right? It was great, everything went well, and you're still on that high from the extended Thanksgiving break. Some of us have some, some difficult um, days today, and some of us are just existing business as usual. Uh, while I can't see you, uh, I, I do want to say you're, you're certainly in my thoughts and prayers because we understand that in a normal year, um, education is certainly a rewarding field, but it can also be a very demanding and a lonely field. Now, with the pandemic, it's it's been even, even worse in that regard. And so uh, my hope is that something that was stated um, on this podcast or even previous podcasts, the A Black Hands, I mean, you can't go wrong with tuning into any of those mediums. Well, what I will say is very important to take care of yourself and to recognize that it's okay right now if you're not doing your best. It's okay if you would normally be able to be much more efficient. It's okay. I mean, we're, we're all making sense out of all of this. And I just felt compelled to let you know that um, we will continue to get better. We will continue to move forward and whatever that we're doing. And if there's anything that we can do from um, SBE 21 or from BMESTL, just reach out. Because, again, your success is my success, vice versa. And I just want to see my people win. Mm-hmm. Well said, Dr. Fields. You know, my my final thoughts would, would be this. Um, we're, we're in a time that we might be able to read about this in history. We, there, are, there are many influential leaders, civil rights leaders, you know, movers and shakers in our past that have done some incredible things then that have impacted our now. The things that we're doing now, the conversations that are happening around the water cooler, on podcasts, through the interwebs, um, this will then thus be created into history for our future, right? And so as I you know, go home, you know, shortly and I and I see my two sons, you know, my hope is that through this work that all of us are participating in, you know, with great esteem is that they impact our young people in a way to where now it's on their shoulders to carry the, the torch, right? Um, Dr. Fields and I have said, you know, to ourselves, you know, in private that, you know, this could be our own civil rights moment, you know, our own civil rights movement. And, and also, you know, as we move forward, we'll look back, and say uh, it was all a dream, uh, you know, wh- where we've been and where we've come from. But uh, furthermore, lasting thought, take care of yourself, do some writing, do some vlogging, um, drink some water. Awesome Kool-Aid. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, I got that coffee. Even in the evening, baby. Once <laughs> uh, today... On me on final thoughts. So I'm going I'm to take a, a, a quote from uh, my fraternity brother, uh, Dr. Martin Luther King. He says, um, our, lives begin the, our, our lives begin to end the day we become silent about things that matter. And I think um, oftentimes um, we're silent about the things that matter. And here's what matters right now, that we have to do the work necessary to make sure that, that the, the future, the children, um, have an opportunity to make sure they don't repeat the same mistakes that, that we've made. We have to make sure that we educate and provide our children with the space that they can be successful, that we can all get to the promised land. And that's not necessarily like, that we will see it, 
but that we would get to the promised land. And so we have an obligation as, as black men to not only uplift other black men in the profession, but also to make sure that we give an opportunity for black men to be in the lives of black children, white children, Hispanic children, because they have to see black men in a different light than what they, they see right now, which is typically athletes, rappers and entertainers. And so the more that we're in classrooms, the more that we're in schools, the more that we're in the positions, we change that perspective. And so uh, he definitely was an alpha, uh, not a captain. So I just want to throw that out there. Follow us on Twitter, by the way, too. AOS Podcast. All right. Oh, man. Uh, Dr. Diggs and Dr. Fields, thank you all so much uh, for, for taking the time to come and, and join us. Uh, I think this has been a really good and insightful show to um, – and, and I love Wednesdays and being able to have the opportunity to share the space uh, with other um, folks that are passionate about supporting our students, uh, supporting uh, and uplifting uh, the Black educator community. Uh, you know, my my final final thoughts are going to go to leadership and, and kind of uh, piggyback off of off of my uh, my co-host David. There, um, I think this is such an amazing time to be better as leaders. There's so many different opportunities uh, for us to show the compassion that our students need to see, that our young people need to see um, from us. Uh, There's so many negative things going on right now, uh, so many people dealing with hardships. And, uh, you know, it's important for us to stand up and and show them what it means to be a leader. And, you know, I I think about, you know, what the image of, of black males, you know, my students see. I'm probably the only one outside of the TV screen. And uh, I know that it needs to be a positive image. And, you know, it goes into taking care of myself, making sure that I'm healthy, making sure that my family's healthy uh, so that I can be the best that I can be. But uh, this is, it's a really difficult time, but uh, our kids, uh, our, our staff need to see positive leaders. And uh, that's what I'm thinking about today. So pre- again, appreciate y'all coming out and listening to us tonight. And thank you. Uh, so once again, thank you, Dr. Diz, Dr. Fields, two of the dopest brothers I know for coming on and uh, bless us with that wisdom. I um, truly appreciate y'all time. Uh, also put a plug in BME GKC is having a virtual happy hour this Friday for any black male educator across the country. Just hit me up. I'll get you the zoom link. Um, basically it's a, some, some self-care as well as some PD basically it's the closing out 2020 virtual happy hour. So any black male educator, Anywhere in the country, you want to get on with us this Friday at 5 p.m. Central Standard Time? Hit me up, and I'll get you the link for that there. Uh, so my closing thoughts is kind of jumping back to my closing thoughts two weeks ago, um, talking about just the village a little bit. And then since then, there's been a lot of stuff going on on Twitter with uh, people talking about uh, teacher, uh, parent shaming, and teacher bashing, and back and forth, and this another thing like that. And I think we started to miss the point. Um, a couple of weeks ago, part of a transformational leadership group that I'm a part of, we talked about Warren Bennis and Patricia Bynett work around great groups. And there's basically 15 elements that great groups have. A um, couple of them are, I'm not going to name all 15, but a couple of them are talented people work together. So no matter if you're the teacher or the parent or the principal, you, you both bring something to the table. And so you should be able to come together and work together to make sure that kids are getting educated. Uh, they talked about from educated. Um, they have a winning underdog mentality. They have blinders, optimistic, not realistic. But the last thing uh, that I want to talk about is they have a common enemy. And that's the piece that I think that we're missing in education right now is that 
we are looking at each other like we're enemies, no matter if you're on the teacher side or if you're on the parent side. Like we're not enemies. We're on the same team. Our enemy is the miseducation of our kids. And now we need to figure out how do we come together on this team to make sure we fighting the same fight in order to make sure our kids are being educated and get no told we can get past this teacher, uh, parent shaming, teacher bashing, whatever you want to be, because we all are trying to get the right things done for our black and brown students. So uh, let's get beyond the, the name calling and really figure out how we're going to make sure all our kids are being educated, no matter if you're the parent, the teacher or the leader of that building. So that's my final thought. Make sure you tune in in about 57 minutes for the libation AOS collaboration show, 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. It's going to be fire. <laughs> I got some heat. Hey, stop nap or nothing. So, hey, once again, Brother Diggs, Brother Fields, thank you for coming on. If you have not registered for SBE 21, make sure you get on and do that registration. Trust me, you don't want to miss it this year. And we out. Go, Mob. Peace. Bro.